COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Ken Dworznik, along with the very famous Ted Klopp, bringing you more laughs, news, and goofiness this week. Ted, how the heck you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you, Ken? Are you ready for episode 11? I hope so. If I'm not, there's a problem. I would say so, too. Well, once again, we've expanded our opportunity for people to listen to this show. We have uh, obviously SoundCloud and Anchor, Breaker. Who? No, I don't even know her. CastBox, Apple Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and last week was a big deal, Google Podcasts. Let's be honest, Ted, if people can't find our show, there could be an issue. Well, it's not our fault. No. They know where it's at. It's on every media possible. We also have our Facebook and our Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Our Twitter handle, at the number two, M-A-M-I-C-L-E, at Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Send us a message, ask us a question, and maybe we'll do listener mail on a future episode. And uh, maybe we'll send you money, or maybe we won't. You never know. A <laughs> couple of uh, Facebook likes this past week. Special thanks out to... Steady Eddie Repepe. Gosh, I haven't talked to him for a long time. I need to give him a call. John Farrell, Scott Garreau, Doug Nornberg, Tony Dorkowitz. God bless Who? Dorkowitz. Dorsnick. Oh, boy. My brother. Yeah. Toby White, another Ashland folk. Lindsey Harris, another Ashland folk. And Laura Lebotsky. Did you put My the gosh. check in the mail to your brother? What do you think? Well, he liked the page, so I guess it cleared. Nothing. You get nothing and like it. So... <laughs> No, thanks to all those fine folks for uh, liking our page and listening and all that. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, Ken, I had a rough weekend. Let's go. What do we have? I was driving back from a job. I had to do a little work Saturday morning after I took the boys to hockey practice, and the battery light on the minivan came on as Oof. I was on the highway. Next thing I know, the radio turns off. I did not touch the radio. The radio turned off. Oh. Then I could not adjust the air conditioning. And eventually the entire vehicle shut down. Oh. And I was on the side of the road on 271. I found a little area that had a large berm and pulled off, called my wife and said, hey, we got a problem. She said, well, where are you? And I said, I told her where I was. And she said, oh, I'm just passing there now. <laughs> luck would have it. And so she pulled in front of me. And we waited for the uh, AAA guy who was very nice and dragged the car to the fix-it shop. No word yet. I, I don't think I want to know what's wrong with this vehicle. Yeah. When you have things slowly just stop working and then all of a sudden you go kaputski, I will say I'm not a car person. I know that's not good. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Not good. Well, here's the thing, though, Ted, okay? On a serious note, you were safe, mm -hmm. okay? You were mm -hmm. able to get the help. 
and you were able to avoid a situation where you didn't get anybody else hurt either. So that's th true. Be thankful for that for sure. I'm walking up to my wife's car. And my son rolls down the window and says, daddy, what'd you do to your car? <laughs> of course it's my fault, right? It's your fault. Yeah. Well, you traveled this weekend. How did that go? I did. I had the opportunity to go to Cincinnati. I took my future stepson there. He moved into a house with two other folks and did the whole drive a U-Haul. When's the last time you drove a U-Haul van? That Old would have truck. been uh, about a year ago, never. It's been a while, just like riding a bike. You know, mm -hmm. you got to get your bearings about you. The turning is a little bit different. But I'll be honest with you, I had a very enjoyable time. It's, if anybody's driven to Cincinnati before, it's very flat. I mean, it's not like you got a lot of rolling hills between, you know, here to Columbus and Columbus to Cincinnati. So it was great. It was very cool to, to move him in. He's very excited. It's, it's basically his first opportunity to kind of have his own place. He's lived in college dorms and all that. So it was a very, a very cool experience. We did walk the campus. If I saw 15 people on the campus of University of Cincinnati on a Saturday morning where it was like perfect weather, 80 degrees, I think I'd be overblowing it. There were hmm. people at the stadium doing some workouts. There were some people on the soccer field doing a couple things and things on the track. As I walked the campus, it was like a, like a movie. There was nobody on it. Hmm. Nobody. Just, wow. just crazy. I did have an interesting hotel experience. Hmm. I'd like to hear this. Oh, I would love to. You don't have a choice? Okay. So we stayed at a hotel right near campus, and it was actually less than a five-minute walk to get to my stepson's place uh, in, in Cincinnati, right off Calhoun. So we stay at this place. I mean, it was, it was a pretty nice hotel. Once again, different situation. You got a mask on, there's nobody there. There's no breakfast. There's nothing. You go to the elevator, you go to your room and that's it. So we, mm -hmm. we brought some you know, snacks and things like that for ourselves. So go out to dinner with, with uh, you know, my, my future set son and, and my, my future wife. We just did some order, uh, take out, and, you know, just stayed at the house. It was great. Come back. We're pretty tired. I mean, I'm a 44-year-old man, and I'm not used to moving couches and beds and all that up. 30 steps, and yeah, I think I might have lost about 10 pounds that day. So mm. I'm tired. We're watching some TV, and we're ready to go to bed. And right around 11 o'clock, I hear this exact noise. <coughs> <coughs> There are these motorcyclists all over the University of Cincinnati campus that I guess on a regular basis do tricks and race down Calhoun Drive. This went on for nearly two hours. Mm. So with that noise. With that noise. What was the noise so, one more time? Mm. Yep. Okay. Kind of like a pig. Yeah. So okay. it's, the, as I call them, the, uh, the crotch rockets. I think there's a special name for them, but I'm not a motorcycle person. I'm not against motorcycles. It's just, I don't know much about them. And this went on and on. And how do I know it was the same people? Because they would start on one end of the hotel. They would do a lap and they would play their music so loud that you could hear the same song as they came back through. So... That was my uh, wonderful hotel experience. Not the fault of the hotel. The place was great, but the outside area was a little loud. So you could hear the music, and you yeah. also heard that sound? I did. And that sound one more time? Okay. Yep. Thank you. I Thank thought you, you might want to use that in the future. 
I, so. uh, you have no idea. Yep. That was my experience. Well, I have a, uh, a mutual friend, a gentleman that you know. I, I, we're going to hold off the names to protect the innocent, but not to narrow it down too much, but this gentleman was the best man at my wedding. Hmm. Almost wasn't the best man at the wedding. You were almost the best man at the wedding. Next man up. Because this gentleman got to the church a little late, as in about 10 minutes late for the sir. I'm sorry. What was that, Erica? 15 minutes, she says. 15 Sounds minutes. Right. My wife is yes. correcting me, and you never argue with your wife if she says the wedding started 15 minutes late. That's No. That's no. a little pro tip there. You don't, so win that, you don't win that conversation. Right, right. Yes. yes. So this gentleman, if you don't know him, I'm not going to name him, but if you know him, then there you go. He called me and he asked me for a letter of recommendation for a job that he has applied for. Okay. So I actually wrote him two versions of a letter of recommendation. I'm going to read one of them for you now. I'm going okay. to change the names in here okay. to protect the innocent, the person who he's applying to, and this young man. So, hello, Mr. Smith. I hope you are well, and I hope you will remember me. Ted Klopp, formerly of WMFD-TV in Mansfield. I am writing to offer you my recommendation of Mr. X, the best man. As long as the position does not require many deadlines or time-sensitive assignments. You see, he's a great guy, very hardworking and dedicated to his job and the people he can help through it. However, his sense of time is his main fault. I speak from experience as he was the best man at my wedding and arrived at 1.15 for the ceremony, which was set to begin at 1 p.m. As long as there is no expectation of timeliness for meetings or work, I recommend him highly for a position on your staff and believe he would be a great asset to you. Perhaps you could even set him up with a class on time management as a student on the side to help him improve in this area. Sincerely, Ted Klopp. P.S. Please remind him to send me the money he offered me in exchange for this letter. Thanks. P.P.S. Did he make it to this interview on time? Just curious. Okay. That's outstanding. That's, I think that's outstanding. I also gave him another letter yes. that omitted the items about his timeliness, and I suggested that he could choose whichever one he wanted to use. We'll see how that goes. I hope on a serious note it works out for this gentleman with his venture. And if anybody listening would like a recommendation letter, Ooh. you can tweet us at two middle-aged men in Cleveland, two M-A-M-I-C-L-E. I'll be happy to write you one as well. Yes. All right, Ken, what do we have coming up on the show? Well, we have the curator of the Rock Hall, mm. who's just That'll be interesting. outstanding lady. We have that. We have some Klops Clips, which is a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. And also This Week in Cleveland. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Our guest today is the first person in her family to attend college. She has earned a master's degree in leadership studies and is the former curator for the Grammy Museum. She started her current position at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in early 2019. Rock Hall curator, let's talk with Waka Anwusa. Thanks for your time today, Waka. Thanks curator of, uh, of the Rock Hall. So perhaps a good place to start would be talk about <laughs> your musical tastes and maybe what kind of music you listened to when you were growing up. 
my musical taste is kind of all over the place now. But when I was growing up, I grew up in a very strict home and we were Christian, non-denominational. My mom comes from a Baptist background and to be in a household of me and two, I have two younger sisters. So all girls, you can imagine, parents are protective of what you're listening to and everything. So it was gospel, 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 gospel. I mean, we would get some Supremes here and there, some Motown tunes and heard um, a little bit of James Brown and definitely Bob Marley growing up. And my dad had the musicians he listened to. One of his faves is Chief Ebenezer Obey, who's pretty huge um, in Nigeria. But it was primarily a lot of gospel. And I'm really grateful that I had that upbringing with that music. Because now learning and growing up, it was a foundation for a lot of the music that we listen to today. Talk about what, what exactly you do in your position and what it brings to the Rock Hall itself. My job as a curator, which I had no idea, mind you, um, <laughs> which, what that was when I first started out on my journey in the museum world. But basically, my job is to help and create narratives. I develop narratives and stories. So when visitors are coming into any museum, it's the role of the curator to find unique artifacts, to put a story together and why they're relevant to the overarching story. So you can imagine um, with the Rock Hall telling a really long history of rock and roll while we include roots music, blues, gospel, rhythm and blues, soul music, rock and roll as we know it today, hip hop and beyond. My job is really to help and identify unique artifacts and unique stories that have been told or have never been told. And so my role at the Rock Call, and I think it's important, you know, as an institution, we just reflect what's going on in the world and what's critical in music. And there's always things to be discovered and learned all the time. So it's a really exciting job. I really, I described it to some of my old colleagues as we're like the Indiana Jones of <laughs> museum workers, you know, so we're out there really finding these relics and I can't tell you like closets and basements I've been in and like, look at this, this is amazing. Did you know you had this? I mean, it's, it's a really exciting job. It's, it's different from day to day, but the crooks of it is narratives, telling stories and making them comprehensive for our visitors to come in and learn. So talking about telling stories and gathering artifacts, is there a blueprint for obtaining artifacts? Are you kind of a private investigator of sorts? You mentioned <laughs> Jones. Do you, do you have a, a hat that you wear when you go out looking for these things? Um, so that is a really funny question. I mean, there is, there is no set blueprint. You know, it's different, I feel like, from each owner, collector, estate, artist. It's very different every single time. It, it really is. But what we're looking for, you know, we do go in with our gloves, our protective gloves. I've seen curators in their white gloves. We do wear those. Just having a, a, a keen eye for what hasn't been told and trying to unturn those stones. It's kind of the process. So it, it varies. We sometimes at the Rock Hall, we get inquiries from an artist in a state or a collector, or it can be the opposite where I'm going out, other curators are going out, and we're seeking out objects for um, a specific exhibit or story that we want to tell. So it goes both ways, which keeps it exciting. 
When you talk to artists, families, and things like that, are people generally willing and excited to have items at the Rock Hall? Or do they need to be sold on it? Or would they rather have things in their private collection? How does that whole situation work? What's the reaction from people when you approach them? I think it's a range of that. You know, it's, it's that excitement. Some folks really do understand, like, the importance of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and its place in music culture. One reason you get an LA gal to move to Cleveland, I'm like, this is so, <laughs> so dope. Folks, I mean, that was one of the biggest things. Sorry not to go on a tangent, but it's like, oh, that please. was a big thing. Like, why, you know, like, why Cleveland? I'm like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, among so many other amazing things. Sure. I absolutely am in love with Cleveland. Believe it or not, like, I really love it here. And we get that excitement from certain artists who are just like, damn, you know, it's a huge honor to be in here. And they totally get it and, and just will our head over heels. And then um, you do have instances, I'm not going to say where it's like resistance, but it's just, you know, a little bit more uh, cajoling that needs to happen to get a piece out of someone's hands and into, into a museum because that object is very valuable. It has certain personal sentiments to it that are invaluable. And we see a gamut of that, regardless of their respect of the institution and knowing its place in musical history, we get all sides of it. So I, you know, always it's really nice to work with the folks who are like, yes, here, have it. I want people to see it. And some artists have to be more protective for very specific reasons. So I understand it all and respect it all. And as curators, and I know fellow curators who will listen to this don't understand, like, we take no hard feelings. Like, we have to have really tough skin in hearing no's and some harsh no's and some excitable yeses so sure. it's yeah it's it's all across the board i have a quick story for you a, a personal experience at the rock hall that'll dovetail into my next question so okay. about 20 some years ago a friend of mine and i are going to see billy joel at what was at that time i think gund arena and it was shortly after he had been inducted into the rock hall and we came up for the day i wasn't living in cleveland at the time we came up for the day to there's the Rock Hall. And mm -hmm. As we're walking through the Rock Hall, we said, wouldn't it be ironic if we saw him walking around here before the concert? <laughs> and we are in the Hall of Fame area, which is that curving hallway with all the names that are in the glass, the autographs. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as we're walking, from behind us, we hear one voice say, so how does my name get up here? And someone else says, well, you sign a piece of paper and then we burn it into the glass. And he says, oh, cool. And my friend and I look at each other and we're like, no way. Around the corner walks Billy Joel with two other guys, just like Ken and I hanging out at the rock. He just walks around the corner and he says, hey, how you doing? Continues yep. on his way. And of course, we pulled out. This was back when you had concert tickets. So we pulled out our tickets and got him to sign them. So that was very exciting. Oh, my cool. friend was very upset because he didn't realize it. He signed hers across where you tear the ticket. Oh, oh so, man. So, so when they it, she wound up with Billy J on her ticket and I. Oh, <laughs> dang. It counts. It counts. It does. So but anyhow, anyhow, that leads to my question, which is, how often do artists actually visit the Rock Hall? Do they generally only come if they've been inducted or nominated, or do they come periodically to see the, the displays? 
Gosh, well, prior to COVID, very often, um, Ted, like that, that's such an awesome question. We, it would be so up in the air and it's really cool to have, yeah, sure, when a, a show was in town or anything like that, we could expect to have visitors coming through randomly. Now, I'm a year and a half in, a little bit over, yeah, a year and seven months here, and I mean, just in my time of being at the Rock Hall, we had a number of artists who just did what you said, your Billy Joe story, like just pop up, come in to see the museum, maybe just because they were driving through town. Hey, this is, it's one of those destinations. So last year, so I had a ticket to see Cher at Rockefeller House and who opened was Nile Rogers. And Niall actually came to the museum um, the day that you, so again, that was like another like random occurrence. And then I got a chance to tour him on his visit. So, I mean, so moments like that, heck yes, they would happen quite often, quite often. And it, that's really um, an exciting point. You never know when they're going to show up. They just like, you know, they're regular folks too. So they, they'll just, they'll just pop up. That was a really great experience. <laughs> I bet. So, okay. so when the items aren't being displayed, mm-hmm. how are they stored and where are they stored on site or are they stored somewhere else? Where do the items go after they're done with the display? Yes. So after they're done with the display and even pre-display, we have our vaults, which are on site. We have the library and archives. We And the library and archives is absolutely amazing. So you'll find more of our two-dimensional pieces magazines and lyrics and records and books and things like that exist there and some of our costumes and things like that are at the museum in our vault so once they're off of display we do place them back in a super high-tech temperature controlled vault which is how everything is stored and categorized and we have a really great collections team that helps just to make sure everything is organized and you can trace where it's been, whether, you know, we're transplanting one artifact from one exhibit to another, even internally, or if we're loaning things to another museum and institution, everything is tracked. So wherever it's coming from, we have a really great system in place for tracking those objects and making sure that they're housed in the right space, either at the museum or at the library and archive. What featured exhibits are coming to the Rock Hall? I think there's a couple, are there not? Yes, there are a couple. So, you know, we've been really fortunate to stay busy through this entire COVID process as we're kind of all going through it together. So the Rock Hall luckily reopened on June 15th and it's still open. So for those who are out there listening and want to come and check it out, you can come and buy your tickets online at rockhall.com and buy your timed entry tickets. But we currently have Play It Loud, which is absolutely amazing. We are still going to mount our new inductees exhibit, which will be coming out later this year in November. So it'll all tie together with that award ceremony. And right now I'm actually working on a social justice exhibit. So kind of tied on to Ken's question earlier about, you know, just the role of a curator and what you do and all of that. Um, We are working on a new exhibit titled, It's Been Said All Along, Voices of Rage, Hope and Empowerment, and it's highlighting really phenomenal musicians and photographers, just highlighting and underscoring the point of social justice and the need for equality and fairness 
for all. So awesome. um, I'm really excited about that exhibit and that, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that we are doing this. And, you know, we're open. So that's the cool thing. Like this will be a physical exhibit as well as um, a virtual experience for those who won't be able to, to actually see it. So I would say those are some of the the highlights that we have coming up. But Play It Loud has been extended through December, which is huge. Um, that was supposed to be coming down. So we, we were able to get that exhibit extended for visitors and fans all over the country to, to enjoy. So what is different at the rock hall now because of the COVID? what are the what are the things that right. you guys are doing and things like that to keep people safe and what can people expect when they step into the doors of the rock hall right um and i'm happy you you know you're asking that question can you know being an employee of the rock hall and obviously we're citizens going through this together i feel that the rock hall has been so on it and so progressive and, and aggressive um, in how we are protecting our patrons when they come in the door. I mean, we had a number of meetings before we even opened just to be very conscious of how we're protecting folks and making sure that they feel safe. So to that point, we have the plastic shields that you see everywhere. You know, folks are encouraged, strongly encouraged. Well, now you have to wear your mask going into the museum. So that that is protecting everyone. I mentioned the time ticket that folks have to adhere to. So you can purchase your time ticket entry on rockhall.com. We have special hours that are now just designated for frontline responders. So for your nurses and for folks who are out there still, I mean, this thing is still hanging around. So I'm happy that the Rock Hall has given allotted space and time for those families and workers to come and have a, a bit of relief and enjoyment and education to come and maybe bring their kids. Folks are homeschooling now. We have an opportunity for folks to come into the museum a little bit earlier for seniors who want to come. They can come in earlier prior to our opening and then the museum opens up to the rest of the public. So we've been very thoughtful about different scenarios. There's now like stickers on the floor, you know, distancing places um, we've closed down some of our theaters just until it's okay to have that go ahead to reopen. So you're missing some things, but we were very conscious in making sure that the experience was not limited for our visitors. So for the most part, uh, most of the museum is open, but the, you know, the mask wearing, um, we also have our cafe and our store, the way that's all set up. Now it's set up for social distancing. So whether you want to eat inside or outside, everything is just now a lot more mobile. You have to take your temperatures before you come in. There's a huge tent set up out in the plaza area. Um, we have student nurses that are there to take folks' temperatures, provide you with a mask if you don't have one. The whole thing is just very thought out. And I, I appreciate that our leadership took everything to heart in, in making sure that folks are safe out here. Well, Laka, we appreciate your time here. Now, uh, being yeah. the curator of the Rock Hall, are we yeah. able to put you on the spot here in a little bit when we play game time and uh, have you Ooh. try to identify some lyrics? <laughs> All right, Ted. Now, All right. Okay. All right. I'm going to take the challenge. I'm going to take up the challenge. But Your competitor look. is not I'm really a... good. Your competitor <laughs> competition's weak. I'll just leave it at that. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard about Anchor? 
I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This Week in Cleveland History. Ted, are you ready for some Cleveland history? Do I have a choice? It's the same answer every time. You do not. All right. All right. We start off on July 15th, 1936. George Voinovich, the former mayor of Cleveland, governor of Ohio and U.S. senator, is born in Cleveland. George Voinovich, did you have any... With your time at WTAM or anything like that, did you have any opportunities to speak with him? I did, did, but nothing uh, one-on-one or no personal interaction. I covered some of his press conferences, but nothing. I mean, he was a very nice man. I don't know if soft-spoken is the right word. I mean, he certainly stood behind his convictions, but not overly bombastic by any stretch. He was uh, governor for quite a while here. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Always seemed like a very classy man. and So yeah, George Voinovich born July 15, 1936. Now we move to 1934, mm-hmm. July 17th. I think you should know this name. Babe Ruth. Heard of him. He draws his 2,000th base on balls in Cleveland. Babe Ruth finished his career with 2,062 walks. Wow, so close to the end of his career and gets number 2,000 in Cleveland. Yep. That would have been at League Park. Down there on 66th. Yep. Babe Ruth, obviously, you talk about baseball. That's definitely one of the first names that are brought up every time. Mm -hmm. No question about it. So now we move to July 17th, 1941. New York Yankee Joe DiMaggio's record 56-game hitting streak ends in front of 67,468 fans in Cleveland. Hmm. DiMaggio walked once and grounded out three times against pitchers Al Smith and... Jim Bagby Jr. Heinz 57 had reportedly offered DiMaggio, now this is a lot of money, $10,000 if the streak had gone on one more game to 57. The 10 grand would have been a 25% pay increase for him. Now, did you Hmm. know, before we read this today, and I did not, and I came in blind reading this, I did not know that his streak ended in Cleveland. I did not know until until we put this together. No, this would have been at the uh, Cleveland... Municipal Stadium, one of the first big historical things to happen there. Yes. That is amazing. I I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. And at the time, thinking back, how many stadiums could hold 67,000 people? No, not many. I think they had at that time, I think it was one of the biggest, if if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Now we move to 1966. 
Uh, July 19th, Ohio Governor James Rhodes declares state of emergency in Cleveland due to race riots in the Huff neighborhood. I remember my dad talking about that. Mm-hmm. The Huff riots, yeah. Yeah, the Huff riots. It was, it was certainly a very big thing. Here we are 60 years later, yeah, and not in the Huff neighborhood necessarily, but our country, our city, seeing the same thing. Yes, all, all throughout our city and all throughout the entire United States. And once again, it has to do with race. It, it needs to be figured out. There's no doubt about that. And then finally, July 21st, 1942, former Indians broadcaster Mike Keegan is born in Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. I'll ask you the same question I asked you with George Voinovich. Did you have any talks, discussions, or anything with, I think, one of the most classy people ever to broadcast Indians baseball, Mike Keegan? I did not. I know that he went to St. Ignatius. He did. He was a wildcat. As did his broadcast partner, Jack Corrigan, who was the coach of the wide receivers for a number of years and is now the voice of the Colorado Rockies. Absolutely. But I remember a lot of those games. I mean, growing up, that's who I heard was Mike Egan doing doing baseball. He was he was phenomenal. He did TV. And then later he he moved to radio. He was working with, obviously, Tom Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I think he replaced Davey Nelson. That's correct. Guy knowing the game, Mike Egan, which isn't surprising. Catcher. All catchers, it seems like they know the game better than anybody else. It's Absolutely. very cerebral. And they know whatever where everybody's supposed to be. Yeah, just a wonderful man. I know he passed now, a few years back, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Ted, that's This Week in Cleveland History. Oh, no, not a dad joke. What concert costs just 45 cents? 50 Cent featuring Nickelback. That joke was horrible. It's game time now and a brand new game. We're going to play What's That Jam? We have Waka Anwusa, the curator for the Rock Hall, ready to show us her musical knowledge and Ken's lack thereof by identifying some lyrics. <laughs> I will read a portion of a lyric okay. and then you'll see if anybody can identify the song and the artist from that. If not, I have some clues. And if not, at that point, I will give multiple choice. I have three songs that we will uh, see who can do best at. So, okay. here we go. This is lyric number one, a portion of the song. The problem's plain to see. Too much technology. Machines to save our lives. Machines dehumanize. The time has come at last to throw away this mask. Now everyone can see my true identity. That is the lyric. Waka, do you have a guess as to the artist and the and the uh, song? I don't. Ken, do you have an idea? You just answered your own question. No, <laughs> no idea. Keep going. Unless, Keep going. You, you want the clues? Yes. 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 Ken is a strong yes on this one. Yes. All right, here we go. This band was formed in Chicago in the early 1970s. This band released four consecutive albums that have been certified multi-platinum 
for at least 2 million units sold apiece. And the band and its original lead singer are no longer together, but they both continue to tour and perform. I'll throw in a fourth clue. They're not in the Rock Hall yet. Maybe they will be at some point. You are... Uh, Mr. Oh my God. Only because I'm going to say this because me and my sisters, there was a club that we would dance to and they would play this song. And yep. who's, I don't know who the band is, but, um, can you uh, want to tell her who the band is? I can do the band. I, if it sticks that I, that sticks. I do know. Sticks. 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 Oh, all right. Sticks. Sticks. So how's this game Sticks. working? We can work together. Is that how I we should guess, do it? I guess. Sure. I think Rock is going to come up with the with the songs, and I can just come up with the artist. There, there you go. go. Great. Okay. Well, that's cool. impressive. All right. Okay. That was okay. impressive. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So there's uh, that's no, that's uh, lyric number one. So we're one okay. for one. Okay. All right. Here's lyric number two. Now I will tell you, I tested these on my wife. They get a little harder as we continue along here. So we'll see. Okay. Here's okay. lyric number two. I'll give you everything I can. I'll build your dreams with these two hands. We'll hang some memories on the walls. And when just the two of us are there, you won't have to ask if I still care. Because as the time turns the page, my love won't age at all. You want some clues? Yeah. Go with yes right. Clues. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yes, I'll this, take all the information I can get. Yes. This song was number one for 11 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1994. This song won a Grammy in 1995 for best pop performance by a duo or group with vocal. And this song was originally a country hit for John Michael Montgomery topping the country chart for four weeks in February of 1994 and also reaching number 42 on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay, all for one. But I mean, that the, that's who covered it, right? Is this the song? Oh, Ken, do you know this? Um, I'm gonna go, one? the only reason I think I might know this is because in 94, that was like my senior year of high school. And I remember the country version of this song. So I, I think the name of the song is I Swear. I swear, yes, I swear. That is it, two for two. Yes, yep. I swear, yes. Yep. I, oh there you go. All right. Yes. All right, Here's okay. this is the oh. last one, the third one. Ken, uh, you are over here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good game. <laughs> All right. Here we go, the lyric number three. Making my connection as I enter the room, everybody's chilling as I set up the groove. Pumping up the volume with this brand new beat. Everybody's dancing and they're dancing for me. I'm your operator. You can call anytime. I'll be your connection to the party line. Do you need clues? Yes. Yes. I'll take some clues. I think I have an idea. I just okay. Know. All right. Here are the clues. Check on the artist. This song reached number one in Australia. Ireland, New Zealand, Romania, Spain, and Wallonia. The video for this song won the 2002 MTV Video Music Awards for Best Female Video and Best Dance Video. And in 2003, 
the UK's Q magazine ranked this song at number 185 in their list of the 1001 best songs ever. Wait, can you do the lyric one more time? You just want to hear me read these words again, don't you? <laughs> yes. Well done, Waka. All right, That's here we outstanding. Go. Make him read it. Right. 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 Make him sing it. Making sing it. my connection. Actually, right, Ted, can you sing no, it? No, I cannot no, sing this. Okay, okay. <laughs> Making my connection as I enter the room. Everybody's chilling as I set up the groove. Pumping up the volume with this brand new beat. Everybody's dancing and they're dancing for me. I'm your operator. You can call anytime. I'll be your connection to the party line. I think I know this, Ken. Do you know this, Ken? I think I actually do. Yes. I'm yes. going to say pink. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Pink, yeah. get this party started. Yes. Because that was, I remember, I definitely remember that, like, really, that was getting that was the damn song. party started. Yeah. That was yep. the song. That was, that the, was song. the song. Well, uh, uh, coming up, you better get this party started. Yep, yep. Yep. All right. Waka, great job. Ken, <laughs> way, to, way to hang out of the coattails there. Oh, I, yes. oh, I had an assist. No, I had, everyone was an assist to Waka. Yes. That's right. No. <laughs> yes. Well, Waka, yes. we appreciate your time. Great job. We appreciate you playing along. And uh, if folks want to visit the Rock Hall one more time. Tell us where they need to go and what they need to do. Yes. Now you need to go to rockhall.com. That's where you can purchase your tickets, find out more information about time, when we open. It's really critical that you get that time ticket. That's how you get into the Rock Hall nowadays. More information there and also more insight on the current exhibits that we have on display as well. Don't forget to check out Play It Loud. It's one of our premier exhibits that's been extended through December. And that's pretty much it. Rockhall.com. We hope folks come in with your mask. There you go. Yes, with the mask. Waka, thanks for getting the party started. Great job yes. on the lyrics. And we appreciate your time. Good luck. And best of luck at the artifact hunting. We can't yes. wait to see what else you'll find for us to come see at the Rock Hall. Thank you, Ted and Ken. It was really a pleasure to meet you both, and I'm honored to be on your show. Thank you so much. And now, great moments in a parenting. Number 621. <laughs> Our family was driving this weekend, and my oldest son was on FaceTime with one of his cousins. He likes to play Minecraft with her and talk on FaceTime while they play. She asked my son to join her in her world. I guess that's a thing in Minecraft. You have your world and this world and that world. So anyhow, she wanted my son to join her in her world. And my son said yes. At that point, my wife told him not to because we were getting close to our destination. That's when I hopped in and said, you might want to let him. He's doing what a woman tells him to do. That's a trait you probably want to encourage. This has been great moments in parenting. Time now for this week's collection of Clops Clips, Ken. We take a look at some of the more unique news happenings in our neck of the woods 
and around the world. We'll begin in Port Clinton, Ohio. The man has given new meaning to the term political yard sign. J.R. Majewski used about 120 gallons of biodegradable chalk-based paint to create a 19,000 square foot banner showing his support for President Donald Trump. A year ago, he painted a giant American flag in his front yard to support his fellow veterans. There you 120 go. gallons of chalk-based paint. Holy cow. 19,000 square foot banner. That's That would take you some time to do that. That's a good visual for the Goodyear blimp, I think. I would think so. Wow. Yeah. My gosh. A new study out this week says Cleveland is number one. Yes. Number one. We made it. We made, we made it. it again. According to the personal finance website, Wallet Hub, Cleveland is the most stressed city in America. Cleveland ranked first for divorce rate, second for poverty, and also did poorly when the study looked at traffic congestion, inadequate sleep, and job security. Now, not to be left out, Cleveland wasn't the only Ohio city ranking highly. Akron ranked 12th. Toledo came in at number 13. Cleveland is number one. Oh, wow. Most stressed city. I feel the stress. How about you, Ted? Are you feeling yeah, the stress? Well, uh, I got a little stressed just reading that. I hate to say it. I'm not surprised. No. It's, it's all these different things have kind of put a lot of this stuff together. And, and it's not getting better anytime soon. Uh, no, unfortunately, that's the case. Well, hey, we're number one, though. We're number one, baby. Got that number finger one. in the air? Number one. Perfect. Number one. Police in Australia pulled a man over for speeding, clocked at 123 kilometers per hour, about 76 miles an hour. The cops wound up letting the man go when they figured out why he was speeding. He was fighting with a snake in his truck using a seatbelt and a knife after the snake coiled around his legs. He stabbed the deadly brown snake, which officers found in the back of the truck. Fortunately, the man was not bitten. Is this a pet snake? No, not a pet it's just snake. Just a random snake that snake ended that got up in, in his, his truck. truck. Yep. Wrapped around his leg? Wrapped around his leg. Wow. Well, here's my question. Why wouldn't you stop? Why would you try to go faster? Perhaps he, he was not thinking about how fast he was going. I don't know, but you're right. Oh, that's you might want to uh, pull it over and maybe focus a little bit more on the deadly snake. Shut it down. Get rid of the snake. Snakeless. Sna <laughs> Six-year-old girl fishing in a Maryland river reeled in a cell phone that still works. The phone was in a waterproof case, and when she and her mom got home, they plugged it in and it was ready to go. They were able to find the owner, a young man who lost the phone a year earlier while kayaking. Wow. Well, that's definitely the right storage case to have if you want it to be waterproof. <laughs> yeah, There's right. no doubt about that. My gosh. What to find out the brand of that. A man visiting New Zealand cut through the fence of a quarantine facility he was isolated at in order to visit a liquor store. Oh, yeah. Get your drink on. The man apparently returned on his own after about 30 minutes. Anyone visiting New Zealand needs to stay in a managed isolation or quarantine facility for at least 14 days and test negative for coronavirus before they are allowed to move around freely. Things that people will do for alcohol. I'll drink to that. A woman in Tokyo had sushi and then dealt with a sore throat for five days. Eventually, she went to the hospital where doctors discovered a black worm oh. still alive 
and moving in her left tonsil. The black worm measured 38 millimeters when removed. The parasitic worm can infect people who consume raw food like sushi. Once the worm was removed, surprise, the woman's symptoms rapidly improved. I wonder if she, if they asked her, how's your sushi? And if she comes back and says, it seems wormy. <laughs> I wonder if that's how she would rate it. Wow, that's sad. I mean, that's what it, that's what they say. You know, you, you deal with, with raw fish and stuff like that's that. Right. You do have to deal with those issues. But, oh, gosh. I guess that's what, long. maybe that's oh. what people mean when they say they have a tickle in their throat. <laughs> Possibly. An Arizona man made an upside-down pyramid of Jenga blocks in about two hours with 485 blocks on top of just one of the game pieces. The Guinness Book of World Records says the effort by Ty Valenti breaks the record he set last year using 353 blocks. The inverted pyramid stood for almost 10 minutes till he invited his son to come in and knock it down. Oh, that's really impressive. Are you a Jenga guy? Do you like to play Jenga with the kids? I played it. Like I played it. Yeah. Are you good at Jenga or? Well, I mean, I play against I guess my we kids. Have a match. So. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. A Colombian man that doctors declared dead was found alive in the hospital morgue by his daughter. 67-year-old Jose Romero was taken to the hospital with sudden high blood pressure. Two hours later, he was dead, according to physicians. Family was not allowed to see his body due to coronavirus protocols, but his daughter didn't believe the story, so she broke into the hospital morgue to find her dad breathing and conscious. Even at that point, the docs apparently told her that what she was seeing was a natural reaction seen in some patients after death. Mr. Romero is now recovering. The family is considering legal action. I would say that they probably are. Aren't you glad that we here in Cleveland have university hospitals and the Cleveland Clinic so that we can go to very fine established clinics, hospitals to maybe avoid that situation that we just experienced there. That's that's insane, buddy. That's, that's a killer story. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> An Atlanta family was surprised at a piece of mail they received, a voter registration application for their cat. Voter registration application for the cat. Oh. Cody will not be registering to vote. And it's not just because he's a cat. The feline died 12 years ago. The Secretary of State's office says the application wasn't from them. They say third party groups are using mailing lists to get names and addresses. Cody's owner, Carol Times, says if Cody were able to vote, he would be registered as a demo cat. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. Voter fraud, there it is. There it is, voter Found fraud, it. baby. Found it. Yeah. Wow. The mayor of Chicago is concerned about low responses for the U.S. Census. But at a press conference earlier this week, Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced that she has a plan. The Census Cowboy. When I was a kid, I loved the Batman TV show. And when the city of Gotham had a real difficult challenge. One of the things that the mayor there did is he called out and he sent out the distress signal to Batman. So we are doing something similar for the census. And I'm happy to report, I'm calling out the census cowboy. Yeah. 
Johnny has been outstanding. I've really been impressed with some of the work that Debbie's done the past yeah. couple of weeks. She really Debbie has done does a great good job. work. Special thanks to do. Well, Ted, that's going to do it for us. And I have one final question for you today. I'm ready. What do we always say? We're two middle-aged men in Cleveland. <laughs>